0: your host, Jim Irvin.
1: Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining me once again here on Time Signatures. I am your host, Jim Irvin, and we are pleased once again to welcome Gideon King of Gideon King and City Blog back to the show. This is part two of our conversation, and you can listen to previous episodes at lccconnect.org under the Time Signatures podcast webpage. One of the cool things that I was thinking about while you were talking about all of the older uh, blues, Schofield and and whatnot. Are you aware that Fleetwood Mac was at one time a blues band? Absolutely. I'm just, I was blown away. Um, I think it was called before the beginning. It's a three CD set. Yeah. Hell yeah. And a friend of mine exposed me to Fleetwood Mac doing the blues. And I was just absolutely blown out of my socks.
2: Oh yeah, man. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like the blues is an overt thing, but it's also really hidden in everything. It it we re- it really is, you know. Yeah. I'm just thinking of like people might say, like, you know, um, Derek Trucks is a great blues guitarist. Okay. Um, you know, he's a great slide, you know, or John Mayer when he's doing his trio stuff, he's a decent he's a decent blues guitarist. But you know what? Actually. So's Van Halen in his own way. He's sure. drawing sure in, in some ways he's drawing from more sophisticated blues constructs than any of those guys. And so it the fact that Fleetwood Mac drew from the blues or was actually a blues band, that man, that makes to be honest, and listening to their music makes perfect sense. And don't think that Donald Fagan Walter Becker from Steely Dan didn't draw a lot, a ton, frankly, from the blues. Almost Dude, almost any good musician is going to draw from the blues. How like how can you not? It's 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 dominant chords, man. It's everything. Oh yeah.
1: Well, and and as we you know as we say in the intro here that you know basically all genres of music have had some influence by the blues uh, throughout oh, history, yeah. and you know it almost it makes me wonder what what Fleetwood Mac could have been had they stayed in the genre as opposed to bringing on the girls and going to the pop side. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's still a nice body of work, you know?
2: Oh yeah. Hell yeah. You know what it is? The blues keeps people in a lane. Like look at Gary Clark Jr. Okay. There's a sort of modern day, you know, blues guy Whether you like him or you don't like him, whatever. That's a matter of taste, I suppose. But like, he's a big name. Okay. But he's still considered in the blues lane. And that, like, that will limit someone, right? Like, like you're not going to be packing stadiums like Taylor Swift or U2 or yeah. Coldplay or or whatever if you're in the blues lane. I'm not saying you can't get, you know, 3,500 people or 4,000 people or maybe even more in a room for a room cap, but it ain't going to be 59,000 people with their iPhones up like it is a Coldplay concert.
1: Yeah. Let me ask you a question because I have been talking to a lot of musicians in the blues uh, in yeah. the blues lane, if you will, yeah, and they go over to Europe because Europe has embraced the blues. They will pack stadiums. They will bring right. out 20,000 people. Um, yeah. uh, a big group just showed, just went over to um, Romania. They went over Brazil. I think it's Brazil, Romania. The Open Australia, Romania, right? Yeah, I mean, and we're talking Toronto, well, Cannon. We're you know, talking.
2: It's, fu- it's funny. It's funny that you say that because. There are ways in which, and listen, I don't want to be one of these Europhiles that says America sucks and Europe's great. Like that's boring. But like by the same token, there are ways in which that Europeans are uh, I- intellectually and artistically more open than we are. People watch more old movies in Europe. Um, you know, there's more attention paid to the craft of cooking in Europe in some ways. And they are very open to jazz. I mean, people love jazz in Spain and and, and, and France and so on. And so It makes kind of weird, perfect cultural sense that the blues can have a bit of a more of a popular appeal uh, in Europe, or let me put it this way, can scale up in Europe in a way that it can't scale up in the United States, because there's a certain artistic sensibility to the blues. Agreed. That is, it's, it's like a very soulful, unique, human thing. And, you know, listen, I mean, we're the Americans and they're the Europeans, and sometimes Europeans... Can be a little more human than we are um, mm-hmm. in some ways. And, and listen, again, I'm not here to tell you know, you know say Europe's they do this and that better, and they're better than America. No, not at all. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying, I am saying, there's a certain open architecture to their architect to their artistic sensibilities. That 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 makes what you're pointing out make at least perfect sense to me is I guess what I'm trying to say.
1: Well, and it's it's something that, you know, as I've been diving deeper into doing the podcast and I talked to more people, um, we went to see Buddy Guy a few weeks ago over in Grand Rapids and um cool. he he was talking about the history of the blues and how uh Jimi Hendrix was big into the blues, but uh, yeah. he couldn't break out
2: in the United States, so he went over to Europe. Totally. And by the um, way same same with some guys in jazz look at dexter gordon yeah Um, and 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 i don't know if that had to do with racism because there was plenty of racism in europe too but but i I, you're absolutely right some of those types of things i mean listen um where did louis armstrong make all his money okay europe so like that's where the guy became a what the equivalent of a you know loaded as hell he made he made that money in europe more than he made in the united states
1: and you hear so, that story um, over and over and over again
2: yeah and and charlie parker in some respects and dexter gordon and, mm-hmm. and and dude i mean we can we can go on we can go on forever and so there is there is something to be said on the other hand jim there are elements of the blues that are so uniquely American. Let's forget about Jimmy and Stevie Ray. Sure. Let's just sure. talk about a guy like Skip James. Remember Skip James? Yep. Oh yeah. So, so Skip James was great playing that sort of janky guitar. He sounded great, good feel. And so, like, that's a unique, you know, he almost wrote protest songs or 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 you know, songs that 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 reflected his position of a, of being oppressed. And so that is a uniquely american element to the blues which i love which is cool as hell and, yeah. and, and 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 beautiful so but you're so right you know it's funny i wasn't thinking we would talk about this on the podcast but you're right <laughs> these types of things are more they're more accepted in in europe in some respects than they are in, in you know what even in terms of people's sense of humor like in some ways, like Americans have lost their sense of humor. Like yeah. you go to Europe and, you know, you can still laugh and make kind of inappropriate jokes. You can actually have a little fun. You know what I mean? And so it's like, maybe it's all part of a more kind of, a more open architecture, like I was saying before, of of, of speaking and creating. I don't know, man. I don't know what the answer is.
1: It's something else I'll tell you. And, you know, and as I said, as I dive more into this and I get deeper into it, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I wish the Blues had a better following here in the United States because I would be Me at too. more shows. I mean, I, I just went down and, and got to see Thornetta Davis, who just won a Blues Award Oh yeah, for the uh, Female Soul uh, Award winner of the year. Um, just incredible, incredible. And I got to see Toronzo Cannon and Joanna Connor this year. I mean, it's a, it's a big deal, but now uh, let's look at the other side of this. I am going to see somebody who is not in that blues lane. He does do right. blues the traditional way, but he also does like a blues rock and that's Joe Bonamassa. And, um,
2: oh, yeah, and he's a, and he's a great shredder. Um, and, oh, yeah. and, and, and he's a bit of a modern day example of keeping the blues alive with a yes. little bit more of an open architecture, right? It's not Albert King. Right. It's not Robert Johnson. Um, or, you know, it's not Rory Gallagher. It, it's a more modern day shredders version of it that has elements of, of, you know, even Van Halen or, or, or whatever, but yes, he's important because he keeps, you know, who's damn good. While wow, we're just sort of sure, go ahead, know, blue sky, you know, who's really good. Eric Gales. You familiar with yes. him, Yes. Right? Oh God. Yes. I <laughs> love Eric Gales. Yeah. And he's a good modern day player because he's exploring things a little bit more harmonically and he's a cool player. Yes, there are these modern day things, but here's the thing, whether we like it or not, when we talk about Gary Clark Jr. or we talk about Eric Gales, it's still in that, or even Chris Stone, what's his name? Chris, uh, Chris Stone Ingram, uh, that guy, Kingfish, he's, he's, yeah. he's good kingfish yeah right they're still like oh those are the blues guys meaning there's they're weirdly delineated isn't that or, weird yeah. Or, yeah it's weird and i don't and i just totally sure why um but it, it's it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a of a shame then there's the ones that cross over like warren haynes and government mule that mm-hmm. are somewhere between the blues and the allman brothers if you know what i'm saying
1: oh yeah yeah absolutely you are listening to Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, and my guest today is Gideon King. Uh, Gideon is out of New York uh, City and um, very well known over there with City Blog, a, a band that he organized in 2015. If you haven't had a chance to check out his music, I would strongly recommend you do a search for him on Spotify. Um, I got I to gotta drag you back here for just a minute, and I want to talk about your creative process uh, describe mm-hmm. your your process for writing music. Which which comes first? Is it the the lyrics, the music? What is it?
2: How does it work? It just depends. It's got to be a spark. When it's lyrics, it's like some strange thing. An example: my wife and I were talking the other day, which shouldn't surprise anybody because we're married, I guess. <laughs> um, and, and and we we were talking the other day, and she used the expression "throwing shade." Mm-hmm. and I thought that was like such a slick expression it, it just the way it, it it's a th- you know throwing shade like it just sounded cool and it, almost like the word like stylus back when people had you know record players mm-hmm. and 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 so that was just a spark I started thinking wow that sounds slick and then I started thinking about like relationships and people that need people to be their boyfriend or girlfriend so that they can put them down. And, and, and so like, I started thinking about all the strange forms of throwing shade. And so I wrote a song. So that was a lyrical spark. And frankly, sure. it's, it's really, I think it's a really cool, almost pop song. I, you haven't heard it just because it, it hasn't been released and it wasn't on okay. the EP, but it's, 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 it's in the, I don't know what you want to call it back. catalog. I don't know what it's unreleased. Let's put it that way. Okay. But then on the, flip, on the flip side, I have a new tune. I'm, I'm working on. And it's about tattoos and uh, people, how tattoos have become so common. And and Mm -hmm. like, is it even rebellious to have a tattoo anymore? It might even be like reverse rebellious. It might even be conformist to have a tattoo now. And so I don't really care what the answer is, but it was something interesting to write about and think about. So that's a concept, but in this case, okay, in this case, uh, it's all starting from the harmonic stuff. There's some interesting little devices that you can play over dominant chords where you're arpeggiating certain chords within within dominant chord scales. And so I came up with a few sort of fun little harmonic kind of devices and weird things. And that's mushrooming into like a big chordal structure, which is pretty complex. And that's a case where I will fit lyrics to the chordal structure. Okay. In the other case, this concept of throwing shade was, okay, the lyric lyric thing was the spark, you know, the word throwing shade, the phrase throwing shade. And let me just write a simple tune around that. And so it just depends where the spark comes from. It's always more complex, maybe less commercial when the spark comes from a musical place. And when it comes from a lyrical place, it's usually a little more commercial. Um, but that's the process. And then I I come up with the chords and the lyrics and and bring it bring it to, to my band and they do surgery on it, grooves. And they say, well, Gideon, this part, this part, this part sucks. What about doing this? And this part's great. Let's keep that and do more of it. Or we like it the way it is. Let's, and and I just sort of, I just sort of like throw the pinata up to the band. They just start beating it up and, and then we start recording and start putting it together. And, and then sometimes of course I call my, my piano player up and I just say like, Hey man, I'm just sitting here watching the Yankee game. And I just can't think of anything creative. Can you write some chords and I'll come up with some lyrics. And we do that sometimes. Um, and and if I'm feeling like I can't quite get it done, like I can't get it all done. Um, and I just say like, man, write some, Right, and he's great, he's a genius. So he'll, he'll bang out chords and I'll write lyrics to it. Maybe I'll add to the chords, you know. Um, and so it, it all starts with these sparks, I suppose, like everybody else. And then um, we go into uh, the studio and we just start doing surgery on the idea. And rarely does... The patient come out looking like it did when it started, surgery, meaning, <laughs> me, me, meaning, just to extend that analogy, sure. like a lot of stuff once it goes through the filters of all these people's musical minds, it, it, it invariably comes out with something different. Unless I'm super, like you know, wedded to one idea, but I find in general the more wedded to anything I am, the more the product sucks. So I've tried to, I've tried to outgrow that.
1: Well, and those those creative parties that you referred to, where you're doing surgery on the song, have to be a good time for everybody, and it gives them a, a little bit of a chance to have a a bit of input in what you're doing as well. Yes.
2: Oh hell yeah! First of all, yes, yes, and yes. And on top of that, <laughs> in many and, and on top of that, in many ways, they're far better musicians than I am. So for me not to take their input um,
1: would be kind of kind of stupid. Very good. Hey, I gotta have to. I'm, I'm going to have some fun with a couple of questions here now. I'd like to ask you if you had an all-time favorite song growing up. Um, I know I remember when I was a kid, I had a little record player, and there were particular songs that I would just play over and over and over again. Did you have anything like that growing up? Is there one that sticks in yeah. your mind?
2: Yes, I got about four or five. Can I rattle them off? Sure, absolutely. All right, all right. Um, "Old Man" by Neil Young. Oh yeah, good song. Yeah. Oh man, I could name 10 Jimmy songs, but, 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 um, probably Foxy lady. Okay. Um, and, uh, kid Charlemagne by Steely Dan mm-hmm. uh, is one of my favorite when we were young. Of course that was written more recently by Adele, which is a ridiculous right? song. Um, and then, uh, the live version of black queen, Speaking of blues, by the way, Stephen Stills, I don't know if you're, man, for anybody who's listening to this podcast, go on Spotify and check out Black Queen by, by the live version by Stephen Stills. He nails it. I mean, he's just killing it on guitar. That's worth listening to Texas Flood, of course. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and, and I hate to be unoriginal. I really do. But like, you know, Hotel California and Lion Eyes. Oh, sure. Know? Yes. I mean, I hate to be unoriginal and say Hotel California. <laughs> and then of course, and then of course I'd be remiss if I didn't include, you know, a few Leonard Skinner songs. I mean, damn. I mean, those guys were, they, they were great guitars and good. They were good, you know, really good parts. Um, and then of course uh, putting all that aside, um, the entire album still lives talking by Pat Metheny and the album still worn by John Schofield, um, there you, go. you know? Uh, uh, oh yeah. I mean like some of the greatest, just some of the great, you know, greatest guitar. And then, a lot of early jazz stuff, West Montgomery stuff, but yeah, man. You know, I guess I didn't really answer the question. I just I fly. I no, like you did all right. Tandem, you did all right. Gave some good answers. Myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Couldn't couldn't control it.
1: So in your in your career, I would imagine you've probably shared the stage with some pretty cool musicians along the way. Um, any any names you'd like to share? Any big names?
2: I mean, I definitely in in the recording studio. I sure. John Scofield, Mark Boussard, James Genus, bass player for Daft Punk, Herbie Hancock, Gregoire Marway, um, Donnie McCaslin, the, you know, sax guy for David Bowie. Um, oh, dude, so many. I mean, just so many, you know, Nate Smith on drums. Um, uh, Oh, God, I, I can't even just just so many great musicians. So you, that, so you had that, studio
1: time with Bowie?
2: No, I wish. Oh, okay. uh, Bowie saxophone player, Donnie McCasley. Oh, no, gotcha. No okay. No,
1: I, I the name that. caught me and I yeah. said, I got to ask.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. I wish that, I wish that were the case, but it's definitely not. But, um, but yes, yeah, so many, you know, so many great musicians and so many great singers for, for, for sure.
1: Absolutely. I have to ask, have you ever had a chance to meet your idol?
2: Well, I got about eight of them. So John Schofield's probably my favorite guitar player. And he turned out, turned out we became great friends and Wonderful. released music together. Um, and I don't think I have face to face ever met Donald Fagan from Steely Dan. Okay. Um, and i and I'm, I'm positive. I haven't met Jimi Hendrix. Um, and, and that, that, that's for, that's for sure. Um, and I haven't met Mahler and I haven't met Snoop Dogg or Tupac. Um, and I haven't met Ella Fitzgerald. Um, and I, you know, um, so definitely got some big names there. there. Yeah. I've definitely met Pat Metheny for yeah. sure. Uh, at the blue, at the blue note uh, where I've played, you know, in New York and, uh, and of course go. Uh, so I've met a few of my idols for sure. Yeah, definitely for sure. Um, but, um, but no, I, uh, and Neil, I don't think I've ever met Neil Young, you know? Mm-mm.
1: No, that would be cool. That would absolutely be cool.
2: Oh yeah. Neil is cool. Great songs.
1: You are listening to time signatures. Uh, I'm Jim Irvin and my guest is Gideon King. Uh, we have covered so much ground here and there's probably more to cover. I, I have to ask as we, uh, as we come to the close here, I'd like to know what's, what's in the future. What do you, I know you've, you've said you've got a body of work that has yet to be released. Um, any other big musical projects that you're working on?
2: Yeah. You know, I, I sort of have like uh what I think is a, a simple answer to this question I just want to expand our footprint the way we've been expanding. And I want to continue to have more people listen to our music, whether it's on Spotify or Apple music. And I want to continue to improve upon and build out a huge catalog of music, which a growing number of people, um, listen to. And, uh, continue to build out a really impactful live act by the way that's the thing i've learned most from my my the other musicians in the band is how to take a song there's a song in the studio and then there's a song live and um an impact and and creating impact is a totally different process for each, each each thing so continue to to be able to to play, you know, we just got invited to play a festival in, in, in a number of weeks, and that'll be fun. Very cool. Um, and 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 you know, we'll continue to gig and, and and play. So expand the footprint, expand the catalog. I have no idea how big we'll get. I have no idea how popular we'll get. But as long as, when all is said and done, um, you can sit there with some headphones on and listen to four hours of our music. Sure. On Spotify and, and, and be, and, and, and have your interest peaked and, and your creativity or your inspiration jogged or whatever, then, then that's, that is success for us. We have a bit of a following and we do play gigs in front of people, but you know, geez, I'd like it to be more people. Uh, I'm not, oh, I'm absolutely. not too proud to say that. And, and
1: I'd love to see um, you come so to Michigan I, I like sometime, it. or I, maybe I'll get out there.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you're, you're in, you're absolutely invited. Um And uh, yeah, we, the odds are we will end up playing in Michigan someday. So uh so yeah, um, so I man, I appreciate all the questions.
1: Well, I uh, I appreciate your time today, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you going forward. Uh, my guest today has been Gideon King. Gideon, uh, tell everybody where we can find you. Let's talk about your social media presence. You got a website? Sure, yeah. Get it all
2: yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, Gideon King and City Blog. We have a website, of course, um, and then of course, just go to Gideon King City Blog on uh, on Instagram. I'm not. I'm not the best social media guy in the world. I, we do have our. We do have our. We do have our Instagram and our sure. threads, and I think Twitter and all that stuff that our manager you know, manages. But all, you know, what if you'd go to Spotify, If any fan listening to this show or any listener listening to this show will go to Spotify and check out our music, that's all we can ask, and for that we would be greatly appreciative. And uh, if you ever come to one of our shows, well, we're even more appreciative. So um, that's uh, that's how you can that's how you can find us. I suppose like you can find every other musician in the world.
1: Well, and, you know, the one thing I do want to say, and I'm not saying this just because you're on the program as a guest, but I do spend the time and I do my homework and I do enjoy your music. If you get a chance, uh, definitely look them up on Spotify. And, uh, and let me know what you think, man. We, we take uh, comments on our Facebook page. We also take uh, email comments, which all of that information will be following here. But we want to thank you for being with us today, Gideon. It has been a pleasure. And uh, we will be back with the next episode as quickly as we can. We are recording as many as we can and uh, just trying to keep things moving along now that we're out of uh, hiatus and moving along. So thanks for listening. We will look forward to seeing you soon. Mm
0: Until next time, keep on keeping the blues alive.
3: Baby,
4: I'm home.
3: This is LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes.
1: Vision. Engaged learning and academic success is a priority at Lansing Community College. To help students navigate their educational career, LCC has created a proactive approach to learning and providing students with several academic support services. To find out what's available, visit lcc.edu services.
5: If you're a guy turning 18, you need to register with the Selective Service System. It's the law, and we wanted to make absolutely sure you get the message, so we brought in someone we knew you'd pay attention to.
0: 50 push-ups!
5: Uh, hey, coach.
0: Get on that computer! sss.gov! Not fast enough! 50 jumping jacks!
5: It's for your own good, because not registering with Selective Service could cost you a shot at college loans and grants, federal jobs, job training, and in most states, it could even cost you a driver's license.
0: I'm talking to you! Run that hill! 50 hills!
5: Go to sss.gov to register with Selective Service. Two minutes and you're done. It's just something you have to do.
0: Pick up the pace. 50 ballet jumps over the alligator pit.
5: Register with selective service at sss.gov within 30 days of turning 18. If you don't, the consequences could be ugly.
0: Don't you smirk at me. 50 belly flops into moving traffic.
3: On the success scenario, we meet and hear from current LCC students who face adversity, why they chose LCC, and how they turned their situation into a successful one.
6: Definitely now after second semester, my self-confidence is up there. I can do this and I can do this well. Age has nothing to do with it. Like I told you before, I have the, I have notes from that first meeting and it was take your age out of it. You deserve to be here. You belong here.
3: I'm Dustin Abrego. The Success Scenario is a program dedicated to inspiring students towards a path of success. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime online at lccconnect.org. Founded in
7: 1957, LCC has addressed the needs of Michigan Industries through education for more than 65 years. Anchored by the downtown campus located in the heart of Lansing, LCC serves mid-Michigan communities with additional campuses in Delta Township, East Lansing, and Livingston County. The college offers more than 200 degrees and certificate programs and is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Those interested in learning more about LCC may visit lcc.edu slash youbelong.
3: LCC. Connect.
5: Voices.
8: Vibes. Vision. This is Melissa Ford-Locken.
9: Rosalie Pachowski. Susan Seraph and Jess
8: editors for the Washington Square Review.
9: Washington Square On Air showcases the poetry and fiction of the latest
8: edition of LCC's literary journal,
9: The Washington Square Review,
8: read by the poets, authors, and editors themselves.
9: Expect unexpected
8: as our contributors express experience and fantasy with humor,
9: imagination, poetic license, irony, and passion. If you love language at its most original, please join us in our Audio Town Square to celebrate a community of writers
8: spanning from around the world to, to Lansing. Lansing. Hi, this is Melissa Ford Luckin, editor for the Washington Square Review. I'm here today with Aaron Fisher one of the authors from our most recent issue. We're going to talk about her piece, I Can't Win and I Can't Get Out, and other writerly things. Thanks for joining us today, Erin.
6: Thanks so much for having me.
8: Tell us a little bit about your piece. What was going on in your life when you wrote it?
6: Gosh, there was so much going on. A lot of it was really centered around uh, therapy. I uh, was kind of like in the middle of dealing with a lot of the aftermath of an apartment fire that had happened in my building at like basically the most inopportune time possible. And um, I was really struggling with housing insecurity and I had sort of gone into this really deep psychoanalytic work and it kind of like all was coming to a head at once. And I was in like, I thought I was in more of like a safe place to kind of like unravel, but then everything around me kind of like unraveled at the same time. And, um, so I was just kind of all over the place for a while. Yeah. That's kind of like the high level picture of what was going on.
8: That sounds incredibly difficult. Talk a little bit more about the fire. How did that affect you as a person and as a creative person?
6: It was very jarring. It was the kind of thing where it was really unexpected. It was caused by somebody else in the building who drilled into a gas pipe, then called a plumber. It seems like it kind of spiraled out of control really quickly. And so it was the kind of thing where it was like, you know, one day everything is is normal. And then the next day, everything is like, completely ruptured. And it was really, um, I think at first, I, I really went into like, a lot of shock and was kind of just in survival mode, trying to figure out basically, literally how I was going to survive. Um, and it opened me up I think creatively in a lot of ways but then I went through a lot of like ebbs and flows, just kind of like emotionally how I went through a lot of ups and downs kind of as the whole thing was playing out. Um, I feel like creatively my cadence kind of followed where I'd have periods of um, just really prolific writing um, where I could sit down and like a thousand words would just like come pouring out. But then other times I wouldn't feel like I had anything to really say for weeks. And so it was very like uh, lots of highs and lows and like vacillation. So it was very chaotic, I would say.
8: Hearing you talk about your experience helps me understand your piece quite a bit more because the piece is fairly abstract. And I think that when people read it, different people are going to get different meanings from it. And I think that's one of the strengths of it. It's really interesting and unique that way. I'm going to ask something, and I think other people will wonder about, did you lose many of your objects?
6: Yes and no. It's kind of a a weird answer. Um, The fire largely, the damage was like structurally for the most part, and um, I sort of, Came into it like after they had put it out. Um, that's when I kind of like I was coming home, and like 30 minutes ago, they had put out the fire. And so, my objects were largely untouched. There was a couple areas um, where, because they had to break into our apartment. And so, there was a couple areas like of destruction, and it was in the walls and the ceiling. So, they had to like put a hole in the ceiling. I didn't lose that much, but I ended up kind of losing everything because, um, a lot of it just like was going to be too hard to salvage or a lot of, especially like a lot of my clothes and things like that were damaged from the smoke and the fumes. And a lot of it just like, wasn't worth taking. And I also didn't really like have a place to go for a while. I was, I lived in a hotel for a while and then I was house sitting for a while and, um, Luckily, I had renter's insurance, and um, so I was able to get claim money for virtually everything. And, like, the cost and the hassle of, like, putting stuff in storage um, and kind of doing that whole process seemed like it would be more trouble than it was worth. And so kind of, yeah, like, I kind of ended up losing, like, almost everything. Um, There were some clothes I was able to... Cause I, I, really like clothing a lot and those were some of my most prized possessions And there were some things I was able to kind of save, um, or at some things I got like heavily dry cleans that I was able to get the seams out of, um, that I wanted to hang on to, but yeah, so I kind of ended up losing a lot actually.
8: It sounds incredibly disruptive, not just for your possessions and your life, like your safe space, but just your sense of well-being and security. Yeah,
6: yeah. absolutely. What <laughs> absolutely. Ci- yeah.
8: What city were you in? New York. Okay. Cause I, you've lived several different places, right?
6: I have. Yeah. Um, most of my adult life has been in New York and like in New York, even I've lived in many different apartments as a lot of people do. But yeah, I've lived, I've lived in Texas for a while. I've lived most of my adult life has been like Texas, Ohio, and New York. And then I had a period where I also kind of like traveled and lived nomadically, um, which was really fun. Uh, But yeah, that was kind of even the weird thing. Like this particular apartment was like, probably the best one I've lived in in New York and just like all things considered, it was like, I was planning to hold on to it for a long time. Um, And just like the whole, and we had like, uh, just signed on to live there for another year. And like all of that happened like right afterwards. And the housing market here is like astronomically expensive anyway. But then since around that time in 2022, it's been, unprecedented as far as like the price increases um and so it was also kind of like the worst possible time to be displaced like that so um yeah but it was in New York
8: I'm interested to hear a little bit about the different places you've lived and how they've shaped you as a writer how does that moving around and living in different places and especially the nomad lifestyle that sounds really intriguing
6: yeah, it was so much fun, but it was very chaotic also kind of in a lot of ways. And I think it's made me, I feel like I'm, I'm in motion a lot. And there's been very few periods where I've been just kind of like grounded in one place. And I think that movement is really helpful to the creative process in general and like has made me like really prolific. And There's a lot of downsides, I think, also of like, of not like being super grounded at the same time. But I think my own experience and even like talking to other writers and creators, a lot of times stagnation is really what causes that creative stifling. And so I think being so uh, transient has really prevented that from happening to me because I'm I've always kind of been moving and not really like stuck into one particular Place for too long.
8: Texas seems like it would be quite different from New York, <laughs> Ohio, kind of in the middle. So um, that does that do the contrast of the different locations that you've spent time in? Does that help you with your writing? Yeah, definitely.
6: Yeah, I, I always feel like different aspects of my personality, or even just like subconsciously, of my like thoughts and feelings and behaviors will kind of change depending on where I am. And I think that's just natural because you tend to kind of assimilate into the environment you're in. I think it's hard to like, I think qualify exactly like how that happens, but I think being in places where there's a little bit more quiet and stillness, um, not as much like movement going on because like in New York, it's, yeah, everything is, you know, go, go, go all the time. And I like in Texas, especially, there's a lot of stillness and calmness, lots of like space. Um, I feel like that like expansiveness really has come through in the times that I've been there. Um, And Ohio might be like somewhere in the middle, kind of like you said. So I definitely think where I am, and like the environment I'm in definitely impacts my writing and my creative process. And kind of things I'm thinking about and exploring for sure so do you plan to stay
8: in New York then for a while
6: I do there was a period where I thought about maybe relocating and I actually did go back to Texas for a little bit in the winter and New York is also really miserable in the winter so um it was nice to kind of get away from that but um I think ultimately I feel like this really is my home and anytime I go somewhere else I end up kind of missing New York and I haven't had that same kind of experience I think otherwise where it's such a constant and I do also really I think enjoy the chaos in a lot of ways and that lifestyle is a little bit more like normal here (laughs) and conducive um and there's just something about it that just feels uh like it fits me and so um I do I I I do not have plans uh, to leave New York.
8: Let's imagine someone's thinking about visiting New York and they want to do the errand things. What would you suggest they do?
6: Oh my gosh. Well, I would definitely say go to as many museums and galleries and exhibitions as you can. There's so many. And I've actually kind of been on a quest this year to, um, like I have like a whole list And I'm trying to go to as many as possible because there's so much culture and history and things you don't even realize um, that are like right in front of you. Definitely go to The Strand, one of the most famous bookstores. And for a reason, um, I think it's iconic and anyone, local or not, um, should go. Um, I think you have to go to many different parks of course like central parks are iconic but also like prospect park and even in queens there's a really nice park called flushing meadows that has this famous like world sculpture if, you, if i showed you a picture you've probably seen it before you also have to um you have to have coffee and as many places as possible i'm <laughs> always like <laughs> i'm such a can you name like, a couple in particular oh yeah so stumptown is really good um Think Coffee is one of those places where it's not amazing, but it's super reliable and it's like a local chain and they're open to like 10 p.m. and they have tons of space. Gosh, I also really love Say Coffee, uh, which has won an award from like the Food Network. It's really, really good. I feel like I, it, it's so funny how like when somebody asks you to list them, you like start drawing a blank. <laughs> um, yeah, but those, those like, few even um, are really good. The coffee here is unmatched, although it's also, like, $7 uh, a cup. So. so you have to
8: pick wisely.
6: <laughs> exactly.
8: And theater. What about theater?
6: Oh, you know, I'm not a big theater person, which I know is, like, is probably shocking. And I actually grew up doing theater, but maybe that's why. Um, I mean... You really can't go wrong. I would say do something off-Broadway um, because there's there's so much that, like, is out there that's, like, underappreciated and that's, like, a fifth of the price of going to a Broadway show but is, like, just as good, if not maybe even better in a lot of cases and, like, more original um, than seeing something like Hamilton or something like that that, like, everyone goes to see.
8: Okay, Definitely. so it sounds like on the Aaron tour, we probably won't go to the theater. Well, probably not. <laughs> what about soundtrack? If we were going to have a soundtrack, is there any particular music we should listen to oh, while we're walking to the coffee shops and the museums?
6: Yeah, like I don't necessarily have like specific artists or like tracks, but I think um, you have to do like some kind of like Spotify, like either I love doing like a there are playlists that are sort of like upbeat pop. I feel if you want to feel like you're in like Sex in the City or something like that, I feel like that will like get you that vibe. Um, or if you want to just feel like a little bit more raw and kind of gritty, um, some kind of like hip hop or, or like doing like a, anything from like Jay Z is great for that, um, especially if you like are in Brooklyn.
8: All right, let's switch gears and talk a little bit about your writing. Do you use music okay. while you're writing? What's your process?
6: I do. It, it does change. I think sometimes I find the music distracting. I've read research about this, and um, scientifically speaking, the best thing to do is to listen to music that has no lyrics in it, because um, you actually will be more productive than if you're listening to silence. But it's when you have a lot of lyrics that uh, you can get more distracted. So I will a lot of times put on just some kind of like mood track that like doesn't have lyrics or doesn't have many. Um, And especially if I'm trying to like induce a particular feeling, um, I'll try to kind of like go accordingly to that. But sometimes I, I flout those rules and I will just kind of listen to something that I really enjoy to try to like get myself kind of like in the mood or just kind of like okay like it's time to kind of like turn my brain on and then sometimes I I like to actually write and this is something I love about New York because I feel like people don't really do this in other places is actually like taking my laptop and just like going like to a park or something like that. And I, in like, it's very normal here and just kind of like being like amongst the people or like a coffee shop or something like that too is great. And just kind of like having the background noise of life around me. Cause I feel like that, um, I do think sometimes if it's too quiet, uh, my mind will just kind of wander and I find it easier to focus if there's like some kind of background, but that's something I do also, and I think it does actually help me focus.
8: Do you typically work on more than one project at a time, or are you a one-at-a-time kind of person?
6: I'm a dabbler. In, in, in life in general, yeah. I tend to go between a lot of different things. I feel like it's less efficient probably, but it's very hard for me to just be working on one singular thing and kind of not get into anything else.
8: How do you know when you're done with something?
6: Oh, that's such a good question. I think it's just a gut instinct. I think you feel it. There's just I feel like this almost like this punch, but like not painful. Like, but just this like almost punch in my gut. That's like that's it. And that's that's such a scientific method. I know, but that's uh, (laughs) that's how I feel. I like it.
8: (laughs) So when you have something that trusts your intuition. When you have something that's done, how do you go about deciding where to send it?
6: Oh, I it, I think it depends. Sometimes I will actually see like a call for submissions or something and be like, oh, I should, you know, write something about this. And so it's already kind of an aspect of the writing process is kind of thinking about where to send it. But other times um, it, it's just something you, you write something and then you decide to sh- share it with the world. So I um, have a couple of different websites and kind of like listservs that have different calls for submissions that a lot of times like I will kind of search through topically and see like, is this a place I think would try to sort of almost like matchmaking like the piece like to the, <laughs> to the submission opportunity and feel like, okay, is this something that kind of like goes with the vibe that is like what they're looking for is like the right genre, word count, all of that stuff. And a lot of times too, I really will just kind of fly by the seat of my pants and like just kind of do what feels right. Like if I feel like this piece would be great in this publication or I see a call for submissions and I'm like, Oh, you know, I, I wrote this thing recently that I think um, I really want to share. I'll just go ahead and submit it.
8: That's cool. I like that. So it sounds like you're probably working on more than one thing at this moment. But what's your favorite <laughs> yeah, thing today not. that you're working on?
6: Oh, My favorite has got to be uh, the manuscript that I've written. I've, uh, I wrote most of it about two years ago. And I've been recently going through and doing a lot of edits. Um, I haven't touched it for a while. And so it's really interesting to like go back in kind of with fresh eyes. And it's amazing also how much you forget even of what you've written. That's gotta be my favorite. And, um, I've also, I'm in a few different kind of writers groups and, um, I've gotten feedback from some people and everyone, cause I think too, and it is sort of a memoir and I think there's a thing where, um, I don't know, you think your life is so interesting Um, and, and and there's a question of, is this actually something someone would want to read or like, is there something valuable here? Or is this just interesting to me? And everyone that I've shared it with has had really positive things to say. I mean, I don't think someone would probably say like, this is garbage to my face, but you know, I mean, I think, you know, like, um, you can tell, you can tell exactly. And, and I've almost been surprised at like how, positively it's been received and uh, everyone has been really encouraging with continuing to work on it and thinking it can go somewhere. And so I have really high hopes for it and I am really proud of it. And so that's, that's gotta be my favorite.
8: That sounds great. If
6: Thank readers you.
8: want to stay in touch with you and watch for this manuscript when it makes its way out into the world, where can they find you?
6: They can find me mostly on Instagram at EnigmaticallyAaron. I also have a little Instagram blog that I run where I document different coffee shops and breweries and books and bagel shops that I read. That also is is on the Aaron tour is like getting a a New York bagel, um, which is at bagels, books and brews on Instagram. Um, And you can also find me on Twitter at Aaron Fisher eight, although I'm not super active on Twitter um if you would like to stay in touch great
8: well thanks a lot for coming and talking to us today thanks so much for having me thank you for listening to our talented poets and authors until next time this has been washington square on
9: air we showcase selections from Lansing Community College's Literary Journal, The Washington Square Review, a publication featuring writers from the Great Lakes State, across the nation, and around the world. To find out more about The Washington Square Review, visit lcc.edu WSR.
8: We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed sharing.
3: Sharing the voices of Lansing Community College visit us at lccconnect.org.
0: LCC. Connect. Voices.
3: Vibes.
6: Vision.
4: 12 Operations at Lansing Community College is a proud collaborator of the Mason Promise Scholarship. The Mason Promise Scholarship is a community organization of volunteers that guarantees funding for two years of Lansing Community College education to selected Mason public school students. For more information on the Mason Promise Scholarship at LCC, please visit lcc.edu hope. Hi, I'm Diana.
10: As a veteran, I know that for many servicemen and women, the battle doesn't always end when they come home, because I too struggle with the invisible wounds of service. Thankfully, I found American Humane's Pups for Patriots program, which brought Sam into my life. Before being paired with Sam, I didn't get out of bed for most days. Pups for Patriots and Sam literally changed my life. Now I'm able to go to the store without having a panic attack, I'm finally able to live my life the way I want to live it. Pups for Patriots provides trained service dogs to veterans like me at no cost. If you're a veteran or know a veteran struggling with post-traumatic stress or traumatic brain injury, please go to AmericanHumane.org to learn about their Pups for Patriots service dog program. Let's give our veterans a fighting chance.
3: A message from American Humane.
0: Hey, everyone. This is Jim Owens. Coming soon to LCC Connect is a new show called Headroom, where we talk about all things essential to mental health and well-being. To find out more, visit lccconnect.org.
3: Lansing Community College welcomes transfer students. Transfer students may apply transfer credits towards their LCC degree, certificate, or transfer program, Learn more at lcc.edu slash you belong. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Welcome to Community Combos, a podcast and radio program from LCC Connect with conversations about what's happening in Lansing and around mid-Michigan.
7: Hello, hello. We are back with The Convo. I'm Cassie Little, and I am here today with Paige Tufford, the LCC Performing Arts Production Coordinator. Thank you for joining us, Paige. Hi, Cassie. Thanks. We're so happy to have you here, and I think... um, maybe to have a conversation that will continue throughout the year, because today we're talking about the first show of the theater season, right? Yes, yes. Isaac's Eye. Isaac's Eye. All right. So we'll, we'll just kind of give you all a rundown of what to expect and hopefully you come out and see it. So Isaac's Eye, when are the performances, Paige? We open on October 6th. All so when
4: right. we run two weekends, uh, the first weekend on October 8th, the Sunday matinee is at 2 and that performance will be sign interpreted by our students here at LCC in the sign language interpretation program.
7: All right. So that's on Sunday, you said? That, yeah, Sunday at two. All right. Um, is that, is that kind of what we'll expect from most shows is that there will be a sign interpreted performance? Yeah, we're just getting back to that
4: this season. Um, and we're really excited to be working with, uh, those students and their coordinator for these projects
7: yeah some real life experience right it and is. a combination of different programs I oh, love yeah. that
4: and I think the sign language uh, students are really excited to get on stage you know it's yeah it's a very popular project
7: yeah so. that's awesome yeah. all right so it's in October we'll repeat those dates at the end for you all um, but that's coming up and uh, Isaac Zai can you tell us a little bit about the show
4: It's being directed by Andy Callis, who's on our theater faculty. And it's a very interesting show. It's about Isaac Newton. And uh, it's about Isaac Newton when he was a young man first getting started uh, doing experiments. And if, if you see the imagery on campus that marketing created, it's of an eye with a needle in it. So, I don't want to do any spoiler alerts, but <laughs> one of Isaac's experiments was, you know, he proposed that putting a needle in the eye and changing the shape of the eyeball would allow us to see light particles. Wow. And so that is a central part of the show, but not all of it. It's it's really a great performance. And... It's all student cast, so we're really excited about that.
7: Okay, yeah, so that's something I did not know about Isaac Newton. (laughs) That's, I mean, that piques my interest, right? Because you might think like science, math, okay, right, but. There's a little bit more going on there. It is. <laughs> and, it, and it's not
4: um, a play that was written as realism.
7: Mm. So you're not
4: going to, you know, when I first heard that we were doing it, I thought, oh, this sounds a little dusty, mm-hmm. you know. But then after reading the script, you know, there's a narrator mm. who kind of leads us through the action, uh, who also plays other characters in the play. So and then the other two characters are Robert Hook, who is a well-known um, scientist in history. He's actually invented the microscope.
7: Oh, wow. So
4: and he and Isaac did, I guess, know each other or come in contact Mm -hmm. with each other. Uh, And then another character is a woman called Catherine, who we think Isaac knew when he was a young man.
7: Mm, Okay, so yes, there's definitely some excitement and drama in that. Yes. Um, And it sounds like a relatively small cast. There's
4: only four people in the cast.
7: And all students, you said. I know there's some productions that take place that maybe community members are a part of, sometimes all student productions. Mm -hmm. So this one is uh, all students, a great way to get them on stage.
4: Yeah. And some of the students are, you know, have been here. So they have a little bit more experience. Some are beginning. Some have had experience in their high schools. Um, So this opportunity is really exciting for them and us, Yes, you know, getting them on stage. That's
7: great. And this will be in the Black Box Theater, right?
4: Right. It's in the Black Box Theater in the Gannon Building. All right. Um, And you can access that from Grand Avenue. You know, there's free parking on Grand after six and then also uh, park, free parking in the Gannon ramp.
7: Yep. If you want to park there and walk through the building, get to the black box theater, enjoy Mm -hmm. a good show. Right. All right. So Isaac's Eye, again, tell us those dates.
4: Uh, October 6th and 7th. Those are at 8 PM. And then the next weekend on Friday and Saturday, October 13th and 14th at eight. And the Sunday matinee is October 8th at 2 p.m.
7: 2 p.m. All right. Those will be on the website also. Um, I know you can find show information. You can buy tickets online. Do you want to uh, tell us a little bit about tickets? Do you need to buy them online? You
4: can buy them online at the LCC Marketplace uh, website. We have a performing arts space there. Uh, or you can buy them at the door. All right. You know, cash or credit is great.
7: Perfect. So yes, yeah. you can get tickets there online if you uh, are someone who plans ahead. <laughs> right. Or you can always just show up, so don't worry about that. Um, the website, lcc.edu slash showinfo I know you can find mm-hmm. show times in case you forget them, buy tickets online, read a little bit about the show, mm-hmm. and look at some of the upcoming shows. Right. So right. I, know, you have a show in November. We'll maybe give a little teaser about that.
4: Right. Our show, our second show for the semester is Sense and Sensibility by Jane, well, originally <laughs> by Jane Austen. Uh, the playwright is Kate Hamill, who's adapted that, and that is being directed by Mary Job and she's well known in the theater community, uh, as a wonderful director that is also not, you know, written as realism. There's mm-hmm. a lot of unique, uh, performance approaches in that show as well. That's going to be a great show.
7: Yes. So we'll probably have you back on the convo to talk about that great. as it gets closer, but you can find all that information on the website. And if you haven't been out to LCC to see a show, come out. The production quality is amazing. The actors are so talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to encourage people, if you've never been to LCC for a show, this is a great one to start with.
4: It absolutely is. Come out.
7: All right. Anything else you want to cover before we go? No, thanks for having me on. We hope to see a lot of people there. Yes, thank you. And thank you for listening to The combo. We will talk to you next time.
3: You've been listening to Community Combos, a program from LCC Connect with conversations about what's happening in our community. To listen to this episode on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org or find us on your favorite podcast platform. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on Community Combos, email us lcc-connect at lcc.edu. And thanks for joining the combo. This has been a presentation of LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. All shows featured on LCC Connect are recorded at the WLNZ Studio, located on LCC's downtown campus. Each program is podcast-based and can be heard anytime at lccconnect.org. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on one of our shows, connect with us by emailing lcc-connect at lcc.edu.